Okay, um, a very good morning. Um, again, for those on Zoom, it's just me and Vanda here today. Um, so, uh, as, as per last week, um, in keeping with tradition, I actually have some notices. <laughs> um, today is a communion service. So those here have those wonderful little things that we can have communion with. Those at home, if you haven't got anything yet, if you go and get some, we'll have a communion later on. Um, the next one is that you can't see here, but the, the banner's gone. The banner for next week, which is the 12th. And the reason is it's gone on the school fence at the side there uh, as a reminder to the community that next Sunday is our um, celebration service and picnic uh, on the school field. And um, I have some invitations here, printed invitations. I've sent out electronically so you can print your own. Uh, it's going on the website, it's going on the Facebook page, it's going on the virtual chats. Thumbs up from Stuart. Um, and everybody's invited and we're inviting everybody to come along as well. So it's uh, very much an outdoor family-centric service. Stuart's going to be doing the service, supported by Colin and a variety of other people as well. So uh, everybody's welcome and please feel free to invite your friends, your neighbours, everybody you know. Uh, so that's the 12th. Allied to that, there will be some preparation required because obviously we're in the school field. So um, if anybody would be available, either those on Zoom or here, on Friday evening to help to take the stuff down to store in the nursery building. And then early on Sunday morning, and early I mean nine o'clock, sharp intake of breath. Uh, and then if you just let me know, we'll be able to put a team together. Many hands, light work, that'd be fantastic. Um, so um, the week after that, on the 19th, we're back here for our, what I mistakenly referred to, back to normal. Uh, the answer is back to new normal. So the elders have talked about how we're going to lay the building out. And, uh, and briefly, the two, parts, the two parts here on this side and the centre will be as normal and people will be, um, as ever, requested to wear masks as they, as they feel um, called to do so. Um, we're going to be asking people if, when they sing, if they could, if they could still wear masks. However, on this side of the church here, we're going to set spatially distanced, socially distanced chairs around for those people who, as of yet, aren't personally comfortable about being so close to us lot. Um, for some people, it's still quite daunting, so we're going to set a space out over there for those people to try and be as inclusive as we can. Uh, and also, at the back, we'll have a new tilt, zoom, pan, I don't know, camera, that will actually be able to send out the service for those that can't make it. But there will not be a Zoom next week. Um, so I've done the communion, I've done the 12th, I've done the 19th. Sorry, that service will be, uh, will be done by Colin Burrows with this another team of helpers and will involve water. So I don't know what that means yet. So today's service is being done by Steve, uh, who is over here. And um, before that, I would ask if you could, if you are able to stand, while well, I ask Pam to bring in the Bible. Thank you. The moral of this story is don't stand in the lobby when I'm looking for somebody to bring the Bible in. Thank you, please be seated. I'll put my mask on Steve and you can take over. take my mask off and put my glasses on. I can't see and wear a mask at the same time. Welcome everybody. Lovely to see uh, Vanda and Brian in the building here and everybody else. And lovely to see uh, people on Zoom as well. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 103. And it's praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases? Life from the pit and crowns you with love and with good things. 
so that your youth is first song um, in Christ alone. And uh, just a reminder, if you want to sing in the building, please do so. But if you can wear your masks uh, and not sing too loudly, that would be appreciated. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Dear God, we're sorry for the times we've been carried away with the busyness of each day, never stopping to dwell in your love. We're sorry for the times we allow the stresses and demands of work or family to erode and wear away our hope. We're sorry for the times we've been caught up in conflict and frustration, or when we harbour resentment instead of giving out forgiveness. We're sorry for the times we sought to be fulfilled by food or drink or entertainment and yet failed to feast on your truth. 
We're sorry for the times we desire the wrong things, are blinded by the media and forget to engage with the real treasures of love and justice. You are all love, all hope, all forgiveness, all truth, and all we really need. Amen. Let's say together the Lord's Prayer, which I think will appear on our screens. Uh Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite Brian to... I can do. I'm going to invite you to come up anyway to do your reading straight after that. But are there any birthdays this morning or this week or last week that didn't get captured? Anybody on Zoom? Anybody hiding? No. Ah, Pam, I think, has something to say. Oh, you didn't read I'm doing the first reading, I'm assuming. I'm doing the first reading, I'm assuming it's coming up on here. Yeah. Isaiah 35, Joy of the Redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the Haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. Thanks, Pam. And I think uh, Mike is going to bring us our second reading. Uh, Second reading is um, James 2, verses 1 to 17. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'll start again. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. 
and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But have you dishonoured the poor? Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike, as well. So in that first reading that Pam brought us, um, in the lectionary where we've been taking our readings from each Sunday, there's actually only a really small bit of that reading that they, that they recommend, which is verses 4 to 7a. Um, but I thought it was better to include, it was actually a whole chapter that Pam read, and I thought it was better to include the whole chapter for a couple of reasons, really. The first one is just because it was so short, just to provide a bit more context. But the second one is, it, for me, that chapter reads like almost like a poem, and it just felt that it should be all together. But we'll focus now just on those that part in the middle, verses 4 to 7a. Well, actually, I'm going to start at verse 3. So I think that, that it really stands out, that first bit there in, or from verse 3. It says... Those with weak hands, feeble knees, and fearful hearts. And I just thought that was interesting to think about for a minute. You know, as we come together this morning, we're <clears throat> talking about how we're going to move into a new normal, how we're going to set the church out, how we're trying to keep each other safe, how we're still thinking and worrying in some cases about what's happening with this pandemic, what's happening... How do, we, how do we worship together? How do we be, live a normal life but still um, keep safe? We're all trying to find that new normal, not just as a church, but as families and as individuals. We might find ourselves worrying about new variants or how long vaccines might last. But it's not just the pandemic. We worry about things in the news, things like conflict, Afghanistan, floods. And we don't just worry for ourselves, we worry for other people as well. We worry for all of those people that we see on the news that are affected really badly by these things. So if there ever were a people whose hands are weak, whose knees are feeble, and whose hearts are fearful, that applies to many of us. These words from Isaiah are speaking directly into our current context, our current time. But 
before we dig a little bit deeper, I think it's important to say that these weak hands, feeble knees and fearful hearts don't describe everyone and they don't describe everything about those people that they do apply to. I think sometimes we can focus on the fear and the worry and, and not focus on the fact that even during this time of pandemic, there's been a lot to be joyful about, a lot to celebrate. There's been good times as well as difficult times. So we shouldn't feel fearful or weak need all the time, but this passage is there for when we do. And, and when we do, one of the Bible's favorite images for these times when we feel like that is this image of the desert. When there's times of danger and fear, it's, um, I mean, obviously the desert is a real place and particularly was a real place for, for the, 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 the gospel writers and the, the people who lived in the, in the Middle East. But it's also a metaphorical place, a place in our imaginations, a place of testing. It's where we learn to trust, trusting God's ability to and faithfulness to provide for us and guide us even in this deadly environment. The desert conjures up images of the 40 years that Israel spends wandering through the wilderness. And for, for the church, we remember it as a time, a place where Jesus was tempted. By its nature, it's a place of very limited resources for the sustaining of life. But that's why this text, this passage from Isaiah is so awesome. The, desert, the, the, the desolate wasteland is going to blossom abundantly. It's a lush, a lush growth. Greenery and beauty will match the glory of Lebanon and the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. I've not been to the Lebanon, so I don't actually know what that looks like, but I'm, I'm assuming it's quite a, quite a nice place, a, a, a majestic place. And this is a miracle which is repeated again in the lectionary portion of our text. And it talks about waters breaking forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the weather with the haunts of the jackals, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. So how can all this be? Well... The answer is clear. It's the work of God. A God who comes with vengeance against the forces that oppose his will. But a God who is not coming to destroy, but to save. When God shows up, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped and the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the speechless Sing for joy. This is good news. The good news. God invades the wilderness places in our lives. And even as God corrects us for wrongdoings in our, on our part, God's work is healing, redeeming and saving because of his amazing grace. For me, this is all a good reminder that God is with us. We're not alone, whatever it is we're going from, going through even. So as I said before, the readings this morning are taken from the lectionary. And if you don't know, the lectionary is a series of readings that a lot of churches use. And it, over a three-year period, it takes you through, well, it's described as the important parts of the Bible. Some might argue that all of the Bible is important, but it takes us through the, the main bits, if you like. So uh, the elders are going to be asking the people leading services going forwards to focus on the mission and the ministry of our church as we move into this new normal and how we can, not, not that we've ever stopped, but how, how we can resume or reinvigorate our, our mission and our ministries 
how we can focus on the lens that we've been looking at in church meetings and as a church family. So going forward, not all of our services will be based on the lectionary. Having said that, as we move on to the second reading that Mike brought us, I think this reading does start to fulfill that need to think about our ministries and mission. The first reading was a reminder that when times are tough, God is with us and he will make it okay. And as we move into the second reading, that talks to how we do things. So James, the second reading was from the book of James, and he was writing to a church in crisis. So rich brothers and sisters in Christ, rich Christians were treating poorer Christians badly. They were shown, the rich ones were shown preference over all of those ones that didn't have lots of money or status. And James was saying, this is wrong. And I think we probably would agree. Although, as, as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking about when I visited um, Beamish, the, the, the sort of living museum at Beamish. And there they have a, a church that's been restored from, I think, the 1800s. And uh, in that church, they have box pews. Now, I think most of us, are, I mean, I remember churches with pews, but these pews have, like, boxed in and have a little gate on the end. And um, the way it would work in those churches was you could rent one of these little boxes for your family. So you'd have your own little family box and you'd go to church on Sunday and you'd go into this little box and all sit down and you'd have your own space. And the more expensive ones were at the front. They were shiny and nice and lovely. And um, and they, as you got further back in the church, they got a bit cheaper. So, And then if you couldn't afford a box pew at all, you'd just stand by the wall or just wherever you could fit. Um, from the Beamish website, it said box pews existed in churches at a time when the class divides were still keenly felt. Each pew could be rented by a member of the, lo of the local congregation, with the pews nearest the pulpit being the most expensive. And they would even have like the family name written on the little door. And I, as I've looked around these, I, I thought it's quite funny, really, that these people just like us, are going to church on a Sunday morning and they're going into their little family pew that they're paying or that they're paying for. And then they're sitting and listening to messages from the gospel about things like the parable of the wedding feast where the first shall be last and the last shall be first or even our passage this morning about who should be sat in the, sat in the shiny pew at the front and who should sit on the floor. Seems obvious, well, to me and ho hopefully to most of us that People willing to pay the most shouldn't be given a seat at the front or people with more power or money. Having said that, these days it seems to be the, the pews at the back that fill up more quickly, so maybe we should charge more for those people who want to sit on the back row. I have to introduce us for one, for the, one for the next church meeting, I think, Colin. <laughs> But then I wonder, if that's so obvious to all of us, and it wasn't obvious to them, when people in 100 years or 200 years are studying how we are church, what, what's the thing that they're going to be saying? What were they thinking? They were going to church every Sunday morning and doing, saying, thinking. How did they not know that that was wrong? Maybe there isn't. Maybe we're perfect. I suspect we're perhaps not. So this way of, of being church and showing favoritism, it, that regards people as the world sees or saw people and not how God does. So, you know, if there's any place in the world where people, regardless of social stature or money or societal stature, should be celebrated equally as sons and daughters of God, it should be the church. 
And I think we try really hard to be inclusive. I think we try really hard to live up to that. But would we treat someone the same if they came in drunk as or or home or a homeless person as maybe we could if the queen just popped in to join us for a service one morning? Or would we find a special chair for one of them? Would we run and make a coffee for one of them? And which one would it be? Should we treat them the same? Maybe the queen doesn't need coffee and a biscuit. Maybe the homeless person does. I don't know. I, I don't think we're far off, but you know, we can we can think about it. And I don't think it's just about money and status either. I think we need to think about everybody. So we're supposed to take God's way of being church and sell that to the world. James was writing to a church that had bought the world's way of doing things. And all of that can't be divorced from the next bit of the, re- of the, of the reading of the letter, where he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? Now, Kate referred to this last week when she was speaking. She mentioned that uh, that Luther wasn't a particular fan of this passage initially because he he called it the epistle of straw. Um, and, it, and it's this bit, really, that he had a particular problem with. So Luther, uh, Luther developed his theology from Paul. And Paul was pretty clear. Um, It's faith and not works that saves lives or that saves. So it does seem at first glance that they are, they're a bit incongruous, that they're a bit, they don't really work, they don't really work together. So James seems to be saying you've got to have faith and works. And Paul is saying you just need faith. So, but when you remember what's happening when James is writing his letter, can you say that the people of the church at that time were faithful? They were treating the poor with contempt and treating the rich and powerful with deference. Does that sound like Jesus? There was another great theologian, um, a guy called Ron Gemmel. When I, uh, when I was doing my Alpha course in about 2007, he said, and apologies if I'm misquoting you, Ron, but you said something along the lines of, If you believe all that, what are you going to do about it? And I think that's kind of the same question or the same point the other way around. So James is saying, if this is how they're acting, how they're behaving, do they really believe it? Because if they did, if they really had faith, they wouldn't do that. So if we're going to claim that we're a, a, a God-fearing Christian, then hopefully there would be some evidence. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're not. Well, I'm not. We fall short of the glory of God. We're going to mess up. But hopefully there's something So I don't think James was telling the church to be good to the poor, to earn salvation. I think what he was saying is, if they had faith, they would be loving their neighbours as themselves. Amen. We're now going to have our next song, Be Thou My Vision. Um, if you don't have anything for communion, uh, now would be a good time to nip and get it if you're on Zoom or to give us a wave if you're in the building and we'll get something for you. Um, but let's sing together, Be Thou My Vision. Say 
As we come to our time of communion, all are welcome at the Lord's table. We haven't earned our place here by what we've done or by being good Christians. We're here by the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we are surrounded in our world by fear, by hunger, by hurt. We are surrounded by injustices, loneliness, illness, and hate. Yet through you, God, we know a different story. Our sacred story tells us of many times when our ancestors dined with the divine. When the Israelites left Egypt, they escaped with little resource. As refugees, they moved into the wilderness in their exile. God reigned sacred, sustaining bread from heaven. Our sacred story tells us of times when our ancestors dined with those who hungered. When Abraham was approached by three strangers, he offered them bread to rebuild their bodies and refresh their souls. Our sacred story tells us that when visitors listening to the teachings of Jesus became hungry, Jesus gathered loaves of bread and fish ultimately providing enough for all in attendance with 12 baskets to share. Our sacred story tells us that on the night before Jesus died, as he and his friends gathered in a room, Jesus clenched a loaf of bread. He broke it in half and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, as night grew, Long, Jesus took a cup. As he blessed its contents, he exclaimed, drink in remembrance of me. And our sacred story tells us of two disciples that were on their way to Emmaus and came upon a stranger on the journey. In the spirit of hospitality, they invited him to stay. As their new friend broke the bread, they were able to see Christ. Our table extends beyond this time and space to food pantries, to community meals, to dinners shared with homebound friends and to coffee shared with friends who grieve. May the Holy Spirit of God bless these gifts and make them for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In doing so, bless the connections between all here in the building at home and all those in our hearts. May the Spirit of God bless us all, the first and the last, the poor in spirit and the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Father, may all of your children in each space on our earth feel your love and experience the winds of your righteousness. Amen. So for anybody who's not used these before, if you peel the, the top bit back, you will get to the wafer, the bread. And then when you're ready, you peel the flappy bit and that will open the, the wine. We'll just wait for everybody to be ready. Of course, you are welcome to remove your masks for this bit. It might be a bit tricky otherwise. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. Amen. Just wait for everybody to be ready.
The blood of our Lord Jesus spilled for you. Amen. Let's say together the words which will hopefully appear on the screen. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as this spiritual meal has nourished us, inspire us to feed our neighbours and journey with the lonely. Together, may we spread love throughout our world and extend your hospitality to the people in need. Amen. We're going to have our final song, 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever Oh, my soul. 
Ron is now going to bring us our prayers for the local community and wider world. We pray for a fight against COVID-19, both here in the UK and throughout the world. We pray especially for our government as it decides and how it's best to reduce the caseload across the country, especially in regard to the possible vaccine rollout for young teenagers. We pray for the people of Afghanistan. We pray for safety and tolerance for that nation and our tolerance of them as a nation. We pray that the world can find a way to support this country and its people in any way and every way it can. We pray for those who seek refuge in other countries. I have known refugees very well. That their families can be reunited. We pray for a return to school next week, that it goes safely and smoothly for all. We pray for this church here in Birchwood, for our celebration services over the coming weeks, the return of trees the return of Junior Church and Thomas Tots this month. We pray there's enough people here amongst us who can stand and help in all these things. These things don't run themselves. They need help. Help us, Lord, to look with your eyes at the needs of all our community and how you want us to serve. We pray for those in our prayers this week, be it our prayer books, be it in our hearts. And take, let's take a quiet moment to pray for those in our hearts and minds. We pray for hope to shine like this morning sunlight and for it to do so daily, raining or sunny. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we're going to finish this morning with the grace and it'll be our last of our regular Zoom services. So please unmute yourselves on Zoom if you are able um, and let's enjoy the grace in its um, glorious cacophony as we, we might be out, out racing you in church now. There are quite a number of us, but we, we will enjoy the uh, the, the Zoom grace one more time. Let's uh, stand if we're able. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Evermore. Amen. Evermore. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>